0: On today's show, the Hawks go down in their final game before the deadline on this Wednesday, losing in Boston in a close fought game with a second straight loss for Atlanta. Still a violent effort. We'll get into all of what transpired in Boston, as well as the nuts and bolts of this game. The deadline, of course, looming on Thursday, and much more. All of that is on the way. You are Locked On Hawks, your daily Atlanta Hawks podcast, part of the Locked On Podcast Network. Your team every day. And day. Hello, friends. Welcome to episode 1648 of the Locked On Hawks podcast. I am your host, Brad Roland, coming to you late in the night on this Wednesday evening into Thursday. And today's show is brought to you by GameTime. Download the GameTime app, create an account, and use promo code On for $20 off your first purchase with GameTime. Also, I encourage you at the top of the podcast to make us your first listen each and every day. Please subscribe to this podcast and check us out anywhere you get your podcasts. Places like Apple and Spotify on the audio side, as well as YouTube on the video side. And of course, the eyes of the NBA world right now are on the deadline, which comes up on Thursday afternoon, 3 p.m. Eastern time. It's been kind of slow sledding so far around the deadline. Obviously, there were some moves earlier on in the process with Toronto kind of doing their fire sale early. But um, especially for the the Hawks, it's been pretty quiet the last few days. I'm recording the show about 1030-ish, 1045-ish on Wednesday night. And I'm timestamping that on purpose because things can change rapidly this time of year. But with all that said and kind of put to the side for now, the Hawks were in action tonight against Boston up on the road in Boston, and they lost the second game in a row. But those two losses came to currently, it's not even exaggerating, the top two teams in the NBA. Boston's number one in the league comfortably. The Clippers are number one in the league in the West, I should say, right now. And both games were highly competitive. The Hawks were in the game both ways. Um, in fact, tonight, they never trailed by more than seven points in the first three quarters. Brossum did break it up, uh, break it up a little bit in the fourth quarter, but the Hawks did come back at the very end. There was a shot in the air that could cut the lead to two in the final seconds. So it did not go in, but Atlanta was right there. They covered the spread in this game, which is something they have not done a lot this year. And uh, certainly, it was a valiant, competitive effort from the Hawks in. this spot so we'll kind of take a step back now talk about how this game actually sort of unfolded pre-game during the game etc we'll dive into the actual nuts and bolts as the game gets going at the end of the podcast we'll talk about the individual contributions in this game from the players and then at the very end we'll talk a little bit of deadline stuff because there was a little bit of movement not a ton but some stuff to note on before we get out of here on this wednesday into thursday Uh, i'll say this first this is the toughest game of the season on paper for the hawks from a point spread perspective Now, I know that not everyone loves the point spread stuff, but it's good to kind of get a feel for the competitive side because our friends at FanDuel had the Hawks as 11.5-point underdogs at tip-off of this game. For reference, that's the largest point spread for the Hawks as an underdog all year long and by a considerable margin. The Hawks have not been more than 8.5-point underdogs so far this year. That happened twice. Both of those games were without Trey Young, and they lost both of those games by more than 10 points. So... It was correct for them to be underdogs like that. They were 0-2 in those games. But um, you know they've had worse schedule spots, like back-to-backs and travel and all that stuff. But playing Boston, and Boston, I believe, with the win tonight is now 24-3 and at home, a tough spot. And also, beyond all of that, in addition to the playing, playing a great team on the road, they were without Jaunte Murray in this game. So, Dejounte was a late add to the injury report, midday on Wednesday, with back tightness. And then he was ruled out of the game about an hour or so before tip-off. He played in the first 45 games of the year. He's now missed two of the last six games. And interestingly enough, DeJounte's been on the injury report six times since January 10th, so about four weeks, with either hamstring tightness or back tightness. Not like the usual injury listings that you often see. Um, The first time he missed the game was actually January 28th against Toronto, where it was a home game. I talked about that a lot at the time. People were kind of assuming that he was going to be traded. He wasn't, of course. It was not because of trade stuff that I, obviously at this point, we know that. Um, Tonight, of course, the day before the deadline, there was rampant speculation, especially from non-Atlanta folks who have not been following this story where DeJount has been listed several times in the last month. But um, as of now, I don't know anything with with regard to a trade being imminent. Um, Usually, guys are not rested or sat out in this instance and they are like really about to get traded if it's just a pure sit out for that purpose kind of thing so we will see DeJounte is, is of course uh, available in trade that's been well, well, well covered and we covered some more on this podcast later on but all that said he didn't play in this game and Clickapella is already out for the for Atlanta so they were basically down two of their top seven or eight guys in this game as well you know their second-best player, in DeJounte, and then Clint, a regular starter. So to have all that go down, obviously Boston was without Drew Holiday, too, so a little bit more even, but still Boston being better than the Hawks, playing at home, and the Hawks being down two key players, a tough spot. Anyway, we'll dive in now to kind of what ha- actually happened on the court, but I want to at least, at, least, at least leave with that because that was, of course, a big story on Wednesday evening. I'll go to the defense first. They had a 119 defensive rating in this game in a game that ended up being 125 to 117, so pretty fast-paced. And honestly, they were not disastrous defensively in this spot. Now, they weren't great either. The Hawks needed Boston to be kind of mortal from three in this game to win it, and they actually were. Boston made 17 threes, but they took 49 of them. So they were bombing in this game, but only shot 34.7%, which is, like, not crazy. It's below their normal average. The Hawks were not buried by three-point shooting in this game unfortunately it was a two-point shooting that was kind of the swing spot in this one boston shot 73 percent on twos in the game it was over 80 percent in the first half and they were 25 of 28 according to cleaning the glass at the rim so the hawks just could not keep the subjects away from the rim in this game And when they got there they made all their shots they had a size advantage of course they were starting two bigs with al horford and christos porzingis who's obviously a monster uh, on the interior at seven three the Hawks actually drew more fouls than Boston did, but but the team, actually both teams actually had the same amount of attempts at the rim, and Boston was 25 of 28, and the Hawks were 18 of 28. So a, a pretty clear swing there. They also had 33 assists in this game. Uh, ironically, the two all-star selections for Boston, Jason Tatum, who's their best player for sure, and then Jalen Brown, um, were pretty average or even below that. Tatum was contained in this game. Brown was not anything special at 15 points on 11 shots. It was everybody else it was porzingis had a huge game he was awesome in this one for boston al horford had a huge second quarter and then Derek white was also really good for the celtics in this game um the hawks did have some really good success on the glass and they did a great job not sending the Celtics to the free throw line in this game so there were strengths for sure just not quite enough to actually contain all that stuff and really this is succinct in some ways but the reason you know more so than like interior defense from a kongwu or fernando or jalen whatever there were some problems there too but the biggest thing for me was that they could not contain the ball, which is a very familiar problem. If you've been following the Hawks team for a few years now, it's always near the top of the list for me and others that they just cannot stop the point of attack. And it was a little bit more excusable or at least understandable or foreseeable, perhaps, because the Hawks ended up starting this game with Trey Young, who's, who's obviously improved defensively, but still is not fantastic, plus bogey and bay on the wings. And that's because DeAndre Hunter is still limited by minutes. And of course, Murray was out. But... If all you know is that the Hawks are trying to defend the Celtics with Trey, Bogey, and Bay on the perimeter, it's not a shock that they're going to be able to get to kind of wherever they want to on the perimeter, and they certainly did in this game. So the Hawks did enough stuff on the margins to be competitive, which is certainly nice, um, but they were not great defensively. They were just okay. Offensively, though, is where I think the Hawks lost this game more so. I think the number one problem area, if you want to circle one in this game, was the Hawks' shooting, and that led to a 110 offensive rating for Atlanta. In this game which is way below what they average it's not like a total disaster but certainly not good and again i talked about it a second ago but the, the shooting was the number one problem they were at about 52 percent true shooting in the game 42 percent from the field and 32 percent from three so nothing crazy 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 bad but way below average um the biggest problem areas were the florida range shots where they were 10 of 27 that's really bad and only 4 of 13 on quarter threes after kind of a, a respite the other day for making some of those they're back to that in this game Clint Snyder post game said that the Hawks knew kind of coming in that the team they were playing against in Boston, and they were going to take a lot of threes, of course. And he said that the Hawks were going to have to shoot well to win the game. And he talked about how he was pretty happy with the looks they got, which I agree with. And they're confident in those looks, but the Hawks just didn't make shots. And I would back that up. I think the shot quality was better than the shot making in this game. And by the way, that happens. 82 games, it is what it is. But um, part of the recipe for an actual win in this game, again, as an 11-point underdog, uh, up in Boston was that the Hawks were gonna have to shoot the ball sh- shoot the ball well. And they didn't. And there you go. Um combined Trey Young and Bogdanovic, the number two is always sorry, the number one by far, shot crater and maybe a top, maybe number two, number three without Murray and Bogey, the starting backcourt, they combined to shoot 13 of 43 from the field and four of twenty from three. And honestly, if you told me DeJounte was out and a Trey and are were, were gonna do that, I would have guessed the Hawks were going to have a blowout loss or at least a much more lopsided loss than this. So to their credit, they didn't lose only on that, but certainly that was a big a big factor, and they couldn't really afford that from Trey and Bogey in this game with DeJounte already out of the lineup. But the reason the game was actually close so the Hawks actually dominated the possession battle. So people who listen to this podcast all the time will know that I'm a huge fan of like diving into like who takes more shots. It's very important. Boston obviously shot the ball a lot better than the Hawks from every spot on the court in this game. Atlanta had nine turnovers, which is an excellent figure for a full game, especially a high-paced full game against a good team. And they didn't have a huge rebound rebounding game percentage-wise. They missed a lot of shots, but they actually had 18 second chance points. So between that, uh, the turnover battle, and free throws, where the Hawks took nine more than the Celtics, they won all those numbers to kind of make things interesting in a game that, if you look at the shooting only, was hugely split towards Boston, and the Hawks were able to kind of hang around because of that. So I'll come back to it later on, but certainly a competitive very reasonable effort for the Hawks. I'll just say this now. These these two losses to Boston and L.A. on Monday and Wednesday, yes, they're losses. And there are some fans I always hear from them that are just like, it's a loss, who cares? I get that. But these are literally the two teams in the league. And for the Hawks to lose both these games by, by single digits, shorthanded, like it's not a bad result. Like, I have a hard time, and Quinn said the same thing. Like it's, it's hard to be frustrated by the effort and the performance in this game for the Hawks. Boston's just better than Atlanta right now. That's not a controversial statement it's not meant to be negative they just they just are there's a reason why the hawks were 11 and a half underdogs in the game but they played well the hawks really did they played well in this game they were they played, they played well enough to beat a lot of teams it's just that boss is really good and i'll leave it there for now all right we'll have more on this game when it comes to the game flow as well as the player stuff at the end of the podcast but first and we from our sponsors on today's podcast today's show is brought to you by ebay motors passion drive and patience are what bring home the winning trophy and that's also what keeps your ride or die alive on the roads ebay motors also has everything that you need to maintain your vehicle and level it up to peak performance they have roof racks and superchargers and ex- exhaust kits led headlights all that fun stuff and much more whether into speed power or style eBay motors has you covered with whatever you're looking for and they have over 122 million parts for number one ride or die and you'll always find exactly what you're looking for at ebay motors and with ebay guaranteed fit your part is guaranteed to fit your ride every time the first time even or your money back because with ebay motors you're burning rubber and of course you're not burning cash with all the parts that you are needing at the prices that you're looking for it's easy to turn your car into the MVP and bring home that win you are seeking and keep your ride or die alive right now at ebaymotors.com one more time the place to go is ebaymotors.com ebay guaranteed fit is only available to us customers eligible items only exclusions apply today's show is brought to you by price picks demons and goblins are the newest most exciting ways to play with the folks at price picks squares that are marked with red demons or green goblins give you different payouts you can now win up to 100 times the money, and with as little as four correct picks, you can turn $10 into $1,000. If you want to play alongside some of my Price picks favorite players, like rapper Meat Mill or comedian Andrew Schultz, you can also find community plays under the promos tab of the app to view entries from some of the biggest names in the Price Picks community each and every week. They have injury insurance as well, so your entries can actually stay in play even if one of your players happens to get injured. It's also simple to play at Price Picks. I can make my picks, submit my entries in just a minute or less. They have quick withdrawals, easy gameplay, and an enormous selection of players and stat types across the board. That's what makes PrizePix the number one daily fantasy sports app. I've been playing there for quite some time now. I used it tonight. I actually talked about that on, on social media today. I really enjoy diving into all the numbers each day in the basketball world, football, baseball, etc. And the place to go is prizepickscom slash LockedOnNBA and use code LockedOnNBA for a first time deposit match up to $100. One more time, the place to go is prizepickscom slash LockedOnNBA and use code NBA when you get there. Pick more. Pick less. It's that easy with prize picks. All right, so the game flow here, and of course it was bogey starting in place of DeJounte Murray. No surprise. His only starts this year still have come without either Trey or DeJounte in the game and in the lineup. Hawks actually started the ball, started, started the game, I should say, poorly. They were down 9-3. They were 1-6 on the floor, and the first make was actually was Sadiq. So it was a little bit danger zone-like out of the gate, but immediately they went on a run of their own, 9-2. Sadiq had the seventh first 12 points for the Hawks. The Hawks did a pretty good job all night long loading up to Jason Tatum, but certainly in the early going as well. And, you know, rotationally, I was not surprised what they did here, but notable anyway. Hunter was, of course, prominently involved off the bench. He's still limited by minutes. They ended up playing about 24-ish, 23-ish in this game. Um, They have regularly gone to lineups with Patty Mills and Trent Forrest together whenever Trey or DeJounte are out. But Trent Forrest was actually inactive in this game. That was not an option. They went to Patty essentially for the seconds that Trent was off the court, was Patty was on, and that was it for Patty in this game. Now, the reason why they, Trent was inactive is that, I've said this once before, but Trent is currently at 49 active games this year. And two-way players, which he is one of them, cannot go beyond 50 games active. And by the, when, I, when I say active, I mean that's like in uniform, not even just playing, in uniform at all. So they have some decisions to make on Trent. Now the deadline's passed or will be passed by the time they, by the time they play again later. Keep an eye on Trent Forrest. Not the most high-impact decisions in the world, but certainly something we have to decide on quickly here. Um, Gary Matthews was, was actually the ninth man for the Hawks in this game, played 14 minutes, and Bruno was the backup center, unsurprisingly. Um, back and forth, really, the entire game until the fourth quarter. Um, Hunter had three fouls in the first six minutes trying to guard Tatum and Brown. Um, he actually only got th- only got um, actually no more fouls the rest of the game. So credit to Quinn Snyder; it's easier to kind of not take a guy out for fouls when he's already limited with minutes. So that was part of why they did that. But I think that was a good decision overall. And Hunter definitely helped them defensively in this game. Offensively, though, got going a little bit the rest of the quarter. Trey had his best quarter by far in the first. Bruno had a nice dunk. Um, 21 points from Trey and Bay combined in the first quarter. Um, the second, second quarter was a little bit less friendly at the outset. They actually had back-to-back live ball turnovers to open the second quarter to kind of lose the lead. And they were actually, uh, they, led, they, they led again, I, don't wanna, I, won't, I won't detail all of the runs back and forth. It was basically a lot of back and forth for the first three and a half quarters. But that basically happened in this game. Uh, Jalen, I thought, was better finishing, being a little bit more aggressive, attacking the front of the rim, versus being a little bit more crafty and, you know, not, less less forceful on Monday when he had some struggles. Uh, both teams, though, landed a bunch of haymakers. Al Horford was awesome for the Celtics. I'm sure that's conflicting for a lot of people because Al was, was of course, a legendary hawk. But, um, yeah, he was great for Boston in the first half of this game. Trey seemed to get dinged up a little bit on his right hand or wrist, and the Bally Sports broadcast with Bob and Neek spotlighted that a lot throughout the game. I don't know, and I, I don't think Trey will say anything about that if I missed if I missed that. My apologies, but I'm recording this podcast as fast as I can. I don't think that it's been acknowledged, and he obviously didn't come out of the game, but I wonder how much that bothered him because after that, he didn't make any shots, and I'm not sure that's why, I'm not blaming that, but certainly that was something that Bally was was showcasing a lot of him kind of holding his right hand versus his shooting hand. Um, the Hawks were larger keeping up, but they were still down by four at the half. I said this one once before. Boston shot 81% from two in the first half, including 17 of 18 at the rim. Crazy stuff. Um, the Hawks did though bounce back. bogey was brutal early on, but he, got, he made a couple big shots in the third quarter. Um Something from Hawks PR to kind of pass along here. Trey got his fifth assist mid third quarter. He actually had 10 in the game, but uh, I don't do this every game because it it would get obviously very repetitive, but Trey now has five assists or more in 153 consecutive games. That is the fourth longest streak in the history of the NBA, and the three guys ahead of him are John Stockton, Isaiah Thomas, and Magic Johnson. (laughs) Tough, uh, Tough sledding and obviously a pretty good company to be in for anybody. The Hawks were down by five at the end of the third quarter. It was kind of the ugliest quarter of the game by far. Low scoring, 24-23. 20, the Hawks shot very poorly in the third quarter, but Boston had their worst ball security game, sorry, quarter of the game. Seven giveaways for Boston kind of make things interesting. Neither team scored 25 points in the third quarter, which is crazy for a game as high scoring as this one was. But the third quarter was basically just a complete slog. And through three quarters, neither team had led or trailed by more than seven points. In the fourth, though, Boston took control, and that was kind of the difference in this game. Uh, the Hawks actually cut, cut the lead to two on the first possession. Jalen hit a three after a behind-the-back pass by Trey, and then it was the biggest swing of the game. Boston hit a couple of threes, a step back from Derek White that was actually really well defended by the Hawks, but he made it, and that led to a 16-5 run by Boston to put the Hawks down by double digits for the first time in the game. They were down 13 with, like, seven minutes to go. They just couldn't make a shot, honestly, for that entire run. There was one more push, though, coming from the Hawks. They had an 8-0 run. They were, they were down 13 with like 350 to go, something like that. I noted that on Twitter. Um, 8-0 run by the Hawks to get it to five with about 120 to go. Bogey had been ice cold to that point and hit this beautiful no-dip three in the corner to get back within five. And they got a stop. And the single biggest miss of the game, as far as impacts, was probably this open corner three that City Bay had in the air. If it falls, it's a two-point game. Now, the Hawks are still underdogs because they would have been down two. But if that goes in, it's a different game. And it just, it just didn't go in. It was, it was an open shot in the corner. He left it short. Uh, and then Porzingis kind of ended the game on the, end of the floor with a shot clock beating shot at the end of that possession. So in a blink of an eye, it was over. But if that shot goes in, it's a different game. And um, as Sadiq, as we'll talk about later on, actually shot the ball really well and led the team in scoring. So I'm not like piling on Sadiq at all. That was just one shot. It didn't go in. And uh, that was kind of the end of the uh, comeback bid for Atlanta. They did cover the spread in this game. They were right there the entire night. Again, that was only really out of control during that one run. There was one huge run by Boston in the whole game, mid-fourth quarter. Now, you would say, and I think this is certainly fair to say out loud, that a team like Boston, a really, really good team, puts you away in the fourth quarter. And they kind of did that, even though they didn't kind of all all the way do it. They kind of put the Hawks almost away, and Atlanta battled back in a credible way to them. There's no, I will say this about this Hawks team, it's been frustrating this year a lot of the time. They don't really roll over. There have been very, very few times when they when I felt like they were kind of just packing it in. They they have often done these comeback bids at the end of games, etc. But anyway, not quite enough down the stretch. The Hawks actually lost the second, third, and fourth quarters, not by lost-sided margins, but um not just enough to kind of uh, let this one get away at the very end on the way to a 125-to-117 loss. All right. We'll have more on this game when it comes to the individual players, but first, it were from our sponsors on the show. Today's show is brought to you by Game Time. You should never have to worry about buy tickets to a big event, and with Game Time, you absolutely never have to worry because they have last-minute deals and tickets for football, or basketball, or baseball, concerts, comedy, theater, and much more. It's incredibly easy to navigate and find the best tickets and buy them in your for any event in your area. They're also obsessed with finding ways to help you save money on buying tickets. They have zone deals for 18% savings on average, and Game Time you can actually view the seats. In the venue they're looking for and have that view and know what you're actually getting into so you know exactly what to expect when you arrive they have all in pricing as well at game time so you can know your total upfront about any of the hidden fees other places might happen to have and there's also peace of mind with game time and the game time guarantee means that you will always get the best possible price with game time take all of the guesswork out of buying tickets right now by using the game time app and you can download the game time app right now create an account and use promo code locked on 20 dollars off your first purchase with game time Terms apply. Again, create an account and redeem that promo code locked on for $20 off your first purchase. Download the Game Time app today. Last minute tickets, lowest price, guaranteed. All right, to the players in this one, um, not a ton to get to necessarily, but certainly uh, there's always something to, d- to dive into when it comes to player valuations. Um, the bench was a little bit uneven, like the plus minuses was kind of misleading, I thought, in this game, but certainly notable anyway. Uh, Patty Mills played 10 minutes, which was exactly what Trey sat in this game. Didn't score over two from the floor, had two rebounds and an assist, had a steal. I thought he was fine, honestly. Didn't really do anything wrong, just not a huge impact necessarily. Garrison Matthews hit a three for the Hawks in his 14 minutes of play, had a steal. Two fouls was minus seven. He was fine. Nothing special there. Um, DeAndre Hunter, defensively, I thought was actually really good in this game against both Tatum and Brown at different times, mostly Tatum. Uh, Had 10 points, but actually uh, was minus 13 in his minutes um the whole bench was kind of rough in that aspect the bench minutes were not great um two of five from two point range for deandre and one of four from three i thought he looked fine he actually played his most minutes so far so he's ramping up slowly Quint has not revealed his exact minutes restrictions after the first game but it's fair to say as you like sort of follow the, the progression he played 23 ish today so it's going up and uh, i think at some point if i had to guess if he's back up to a 30-ish minute workload he'll be starting sooner rather than later i would have to guess just. No, uh, no shots to Sadiq, to Sadiq Bay, but Hunter's just a better defender. I think they probably could. Just, they probably just need that more, and that's kind of what they usually go back to at the end of the day. Uh, Bruno, I thought was fine. Nine points, four rebounds, good energy. Got to the line six times, made five of them. Um, was minus twelve in the game, so like obviously wasn't quite as effective as as Aneka was. That's reasonable to say. But I've I've made this point millions of times. I'll say it again now. It's really nice to have Bruno Fernando because Bruno Fernando is. Not a great number two center, but he's a capable number two center. And if he's your third center, you have a luxury compared to most teams. And I think that certainly applies. He was been he was fine in this game. He was fine on Monday, and that's not a, something that every team has. So they, that that's been a nice little addition off the bench with Capella out uh, to the starters. Let's start. Uh, you know what? We'll do we'll, we'll do the uh, the guy who struggled first. So Bogey was not very good in this game. Twelve points on eighteen shots. He was three of eight from two, but two of ten on threes three assists six rebounds uh, a rough one for bogey he had a couple big shots in the second half for sure but he was brutal he was at one point i think he was one of 11 from the field um it was a, it was a tough sledding for bogey defensively same thing helping off the short corner like you know it's not a breaking news thing to say bogey's do has, has some, needs some work um that's not a huge shock but offensively he just shot them out of the game in a lot of different ways he was not good in this one uh that's you know it's gonna happen he'll, he'll have another game where he makes every shot and by the way he actually hit a huge three that got them back into the game at the very very end just uh not his best work for the first three quarters Trey uh similarly not good in this game ended up with 20 and 10 which is crazy like that's kind of a testament to how good he is in the, in the aggregate that he could be as as not good as he was in this game and end up doing that but uh super inefficient from Trey 20 points on 25 shots he was and 15, 15 from two and 2 of 10 from 3. Both of those are really ugly. Uh, did a 10 assist, four, 4 turnovers is just fine for him. Um, only got to the line twice. That's usually not a great sign for Trey when he's settling too much for floaters, not getting all the way to the rim. Three-point shooting has been hot recently. It was not hot in this game. So uh, he had some nice moments. In the first quarter, he was pretty good, but I think after the first quarter, he was 4 of 17 from the floor. So, again, I said it before. I'll say it one more time now. The fact that the Hawks... We're able to hang this game with 13 of 43 from Trey and Bogey is actually a, tra- a credit to everybody else because those guys were not very good in the backcourt. Um, the frontcourt guys were good. In fact, all three of them were. Uh, Sadiq Bey bounces back in a big way. His offense has been getting be- back on his normal track. Team high, 25 points for Sadiq in this game, 9 rebounds. He was 4 of 7 from 3, 5 of 9 on 2s. Last two games, he has 7 of 12 from 3. That's huge. Of course, he had, he had the uh, well-documented slump i've been saying i said that during that point he was always going to have some positive uptick he's not that bad of a shooter he just he's just not um still has prone to you know that flat shot and get a little bit wonky sometimes but he still shot the ball well in this game played well good energy good physicality he got he, he got props from quinn snyder after the game well earned i think for sadiq in this one uh Jalen johnson 19 points 15 rebounds to lead the team four assists three steals. Really good uh, bounce back from him on offense. He was really brutal on Monday, as I talked about a lot on that show. Defensively, still not his absolute best. I think he's going to have some work to do. By the way, a good plug here for my friend slash nemesis, but obviously more so my friend, um, Kevin Chenard of Hawks.com, wrote about Jalen, talked to Jalen about his defense and kind of what it was like to go through this gauntlet last week of having to guard LeBron and Luka and all these guys back to back to back. And uh, good sort of insight behind the curtain on like a guy who's basically playing his first full season in the rotation, playing huge minutes. And uh, good. I would read that for sure. Um, anyway, I thought I thought Jalen was pretty good in this game on the whole. Better than Monday for sure. Uh, and then lastly, Okongwu was really good in this one. 19 points, 10 rebounds, 2 blocks, 6 of 8 on 2s, 1 of 3 on 3s. Got to the line 4 times. Um, yeah, just very solid. Um, Porzingis certainly shot the ball over him comfortably. That's always a limitation that is going to have. Not a huge surprise there. But Porzingis, by the way, is having a fantastic year. So it's not like a shot at Akongwu. But other than that, I thought he was good in this one. And uh, just as, as I said about bruno uh having your backup center be a Kongwu is like this great thing that you can have and um you know i'm gonna leave the capella stuff to the side for now but it's just good to when you're missing a starter to have another guy who's basically a starter and that's not that's a nice thing to be uh walking into at this point so i will leave the game here uh and just say this the next time the hawks play a basketball game is on friday in philadelphia now that game i'll save talk of until later but um of course, the sections don't have a B right now, which is that makes that game a lot easier than it would than it would have been. But um, that's not really the focus at the moment. It's that the deadline is, of course, at 3 p.m. on Thursday. So as right now it's like 11 o'clock p.m. Eastern. I'm checking Twitter right now just to make sure nothing's broken while I'm talking. Still nothing. So we'll see. Um, the notable rumor-ish thing that dropped on Thursday, sorry on Wednesday, that was different than what's been out there before is that Chris Haynes floated first on Bleacher Report Live that the Pelicans are a potential sleeper team for DeJounte. Then Jake Fisher, my friend from Yahoo's been on this podcast before, reported that the two sides held, quote, tangible trade talks, end quote, this week, not only for Murray, but also involving, quote, various concepts regarding both of a, of a Kongwu and Capella, end quote. My guess, this is now a guess. I'm not, Jake didn't say this. This is now my interpretation and what I've kind of, you know, been poking around on. My guess is that the hawks are trying to send clint out because they've been trying to trade him and that makes sense even even i as the capella defender have been saying for almost a year that they should trade him that they should be actively trying to move clint i've always said that um i think the hawks again this is my guess now not reporting this um they're trying to send clint either to new orleans or something as part of the deal and my guess is the pelicans the pelicans are asking for onyeka instead because Valanciunas is the center for new orleans he's on an expiring contract The Hawks have no use for Valentinus unless they actually send a center out. So that's maybe part of the calculation. Of course, Murray is the biggest part of that calculation if that were to happen. The Pelicans have some stuff to offer. They have Herb Jones, which I think they probably don't want to offer if they had to guess, but they have he's available-ish as a great perimeter defender. They have Dyson Daniels, former lottery pick, who's not as good as Herb Jones right now, but is a young guy, lots of ceiling. Um, People ask about Trey Murphy. The Pelicans, I might be wrong. I would be floored if Pelicans traded Trey Murphy. So I'm going to guess... That if this happens, it will be involving either Herb Jones or Destin Daniels with some draft compensation, maybe a center swap in there too, TBD. Haynes didn't report anything in as far as names are concerned. In fact, he tried not to intentionally. Jake did just Jake only mentioned basically a Congo Capella being involved in discussion. So we will see Um, both guys. By the way, this is important. Both Chris Haynes and Jake Fisher stressed in their writing slash talking on Bleach Report Live that there is nothing imminent here. To their knowledge so it's a little bit difficult to kind of see how serious this is things can change quickly teams get desperate or not so desperate i think a lot of this comes down to and i talked about this a little bit on the last show that we did um but the hawks have been consistently from what i've heard around the league the last couple of weeks asking for a lot and that's there's no no problem with that especially for murray you want to ask for a lot he's worth a lot he's a very good he's a very good player you don't want to give him away i'll be the first to say that the question is: Are the Hawks flexible on their asking prices at all as the deadline looms on Thursday afternoon? And if they're not, would any team get you know get the, get the itch and make a trade that fulfills them? Now, the two first round picks and more asking price is a little bit fluid. Some teams don't have two two first round picks. I said that before, like with the Lakers in particular, has been a team involved the entire way. They only have one first round pick, so they can't offer two. They don't have two. So the Pelicans have more assets. Do they want him? We'll see. Um, he's not the only player. It's not just Dejounte. You have Capella out there. Uh, you know, Hunter's always been available. Uh, I guess Akongu might be available-ish if no one's calling on him. Um, Bogey—it's by all indications that I have seen and read and heard—they don't want to trade Bogey. Um, I think that they certainly could be bowled over if they got a huge offer for him and they could trade him. Um, everyone's available other than Trey and Jalen. Um, Sadiq Bay could be moved. Adrian Griffin could be moved for sure. As a guy who's obviously a little bit less of a uh, sort of in the consciousness right now, he's not playing, but. Just hold on tight is what I would say. Like nothing has come in what I have heard and what's been written. Nothing has risen to the like urgent rumor level even as of Wednesday, 11 p.m. Eastern time. But um, we still have, you know, 16 hours or so to go until the deadline and uh, just keep, stay tuned. I'll have a show, by the way, no matter what happens on Thursday. If the Hawks don't do anything, it'll be a short episode. If they do something, it'll be my full length episode, etc. But I will have a podcast. One quick note though, uh, because the deadline is 3 p.m., Eastern time. I have day job commitments during the day on Thursday, so I won't be recording at 315. That's not going to happen. So uh, my apologies. I will do it as fast as I can, but it's going to, it's going to be the evening before I can record a podcast. So that's just the nature of the beast. It's only, it's really the only time of year where that really ever comes into play, but three o'clock deadline It's still a Thursday. I have to actually have a, a big conference to do this weekend. Anyway, stay tuned, subscribe to the podcast. I'll just plug the show now. Uh, by the way, if you're a subscriber in our audio podcast feeds, you also get bonus content from On Sports Atlanta after most games. That's the postcast. Nothing else, nothing sorry, nothing less from me. Just some extra stuff. If you want to listen to that, if you are a subscriber um, on Apple and Spotify, etc., please leave five star ratings and reviews. Follow the show on YouTube as well, audio and video. Do whatever you can to support the podcast. Follow us on Twitter as well at btroll is my personal account. At Lawton Hawks is the show account. I also write about the Hawks and share audio clips, etc. At Patreon dot com slash bt rolling support there would be awesome as well and yeah busy day busy day tomorrow hopefully we'll see what happens um no real predictions it's kind of in wait and see mode i've kind of been closer to the 50 50 coin flip stuff for a while on what the hawks are going to do much of anything this winning streak we'll see if that impacts stuff they're playing better basketball and uh, it could go any different any different direction i will say between now and thursday so stay tuned uh one more plug at the end of the podcast i did a two-part deadline preview Last week with Andrew Kelly, that is still relevant because nothing's really happened since then. So listen to that, listen to the game coverage, subscribe, tell your friends. I really appreciate all the support. And we'll see you again after the deadline on Thursday.